Chapter Two of the Magic Mimics in Oz by Jack Snow. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two Ozma and Glinda Go Away. What is it, Ozma? Dorothy asked as she sat down beside her friend. Dorothy, Ozma began thoughtfully. You have heard me tell the story of how the good queen Loreline left me here as a baby to become the ruler of the land of Oz. Of course, Ozma, and how you were stolen by old Mombi the witch and— Yes, interrupted Ozma, smiling. All that is true. But the important fact is that now the day has arrived when I must answer the summons of the great fairy queen. You see, continued the girlish ruler seriously, Every two hundred years, all the members of Queen Loreline's fairy band gather for a grand council in the beautiful forest of Burzee, which lies just across the deadly desert to the south of Oz. Isn't that the forest where Santa Claus was found as an infant and adopted by the forest nymph? asked Dorothy eagerly. Yes, replied Ozma. Burzee is indeed a famous forest. For untold centuries its cool groves have been the meeting-place of Queen Loreline and her subjects. They gather to discuss and plan the work they will do during the next two centuries. In the old days, Ozma's voice was musing and thoughtful as she continued, when mankind was simpler and gentler of nature, it was easier for the fairies to do their good works and to aid the helpless humans. But today few humans believe in fairies. The children do, Dorothy suggested. Yes, said Ozma, but unfortunately as the children grow older and become men and women, they forget all they ever knew about fairies. I wish, she added wistfully, that the men and women of the world would keep a bit of their childhood with them. They would find it a valuable thing. When will you be going, Ozma? Dorothy asked softly. Tomorrow morning, Ozma replied. And so important is this meeting that I have asked Glinda the Good to accompany me, although she is not a member of Queen Loreline's fairy band. Ozma, said Dorothy seriously, her chin cupped in her hand, there is one thing I have often wondered about. What did Queen Loreline do after she left you here to become the ruler of Oz? There is a story, Ozma began with a faraway look in her eyes, that after she made Oz a fairyland, Queen Loreline flew away to the land of the Phanphasms, that strange realm lying southeast of Oz, across the deadly desert and bordering the kingdom of the gnomes. I remember the Phanphasms, Dorothy nodded. They are the wicked creatures who came with the Gnome King through his tunnel under the deadly desert to conquer Oz. Yes, and thanks to the wisdom of our famous Scarecrow, we were able to render them harmless, Ozma recalled with a smile. Did Queen Loreline go to see the Phanphasms after she left Oz? asked Dorothy. No, replied Ozma. It seems that instead of going to Mount Fantastico, where the Phanphasms dwell, Queen Loreline flew to the second of the Twin Peaks, to Mount Illuso, home of the Dread Mimics. 
I don't remember hearing about the mimics before. Just who are they, Ozma? asked Dorothy with interest. Not a great deal is known about them, replied Ozma seriously. And what we do know is so unpleasant that the mimics are avoided as a subject of conversation. They are not humans, nor are they immortals. Like the phanphasms to whom they are closely related, they belong to the ancient race of herbs, creatures who inhabited the earth long before the coming of mankind. Both the mimics and the phanphasms hate all humans and immortals, for they feel that mankind, aided by the immortals, has stolen the world from them. They don't sound very nice to me, said Dorothy with a shudder. Why did Queen Loreline go to see such dreadful creatures? Ozma's voice was grave as she answered. Queen Loreline knew that the mimics bitterly hated all that was good and happy and just in the world. The wise queen fully realized that now that Oz was so beautiful and favored and its people so happy and contented a fairy folk, the mimics would lose no time in seeking to bring unhappiness to Oz. It was to prevent this that Queen Loreline paid her visit to Mount Illuso. "'And did she succeed?' asked Dorothy. "'Yes, my dear,' replied Ozma. Queen Loreline placed a fairy spell on the mimics to make it impossible for them to attack the inhabitants of Oz. But let's not discuss the unpleasant mimics any further, Ozma concluded. Thanks to good Queen Loreline, we don't even have to think about the creatures. Let us return to our conversation about you. About me? asked Dorothy. Yes, replied Ozma. Can't you guess why I asked you to see me this particular morning? Why, to tell me about the trip you and Glinda are planning, said Dorothy. And something more, too, continued Ozma. Who do you think will rule the Emerald City and the Land of Oz, while both Glinda and I are absent? I suppose either the little wizard or the scarecrow, ventured Dorothy, remembering that in the past both the wizard and the scarecrow had ruled the Land of Oz. No, replied Ozma calmly. You, Dorothy, will be the ruler of the Emerald City and the Land of Oz in my absence. I? cried Dorothy. Oh, Ozma, I'm only a little girl. I don't know the first thing about ruling. You are a princess of Oz, stated Ozma with dignity. I shall appoint the wizard as your counselor and adviser. With his wisdom and your honesty of heart and sweetness of nature, I am confident the land of Oz will be well ruled. Dorothy was silent, considering. Come, my dear, said Ozma with a smile. I shall be gone only three short days. I am sure once you have become accustomed to the idea, you will enjoy the novel experience of being a real ruler, so do not worry. Rising from the divan, Ozma concluded, I must go now to inform the courtiers and lords and ladies of my journey. I will instruct them in the regular affairs of state to be carried on in my absence, so that you will not be annoyed with these routine matters. Ozma kissed Dorothy on the cheek, and the two girls left the room arm in arm, 
parting a few minutes later as Ozma went about making preparations for her journey. Dorothy joined Toto, who was waiting patiently for her in the lovely gardens of the royal palace. The little dog quickly noticed that his mistress was not nearly so carefree in her play as usual, but seemed more serious and thoughtful. He wondered if this had anything to do with her conversation with Ozma, but since Dorothy didn't mention the subject to him and seemed to be so busy with her own thoughts, Toto, being a wise little dog, refrained from troubling her with questions. Dorothy had a long talk with the wizard later in the day. The little man pointed out that Dorothy's duties as a ruler would be very slight. So well governed was Oz, and so well behaved were the Oz people. Nevertheless, Dorothy was greatly cheered and relieved when the wizard promised to help her should any problem arise that she found troubling. Ozma's time was so entirely taken up with affairs of state and the many preparations for her absence from her beloved country that Dorothy saw nothing of the girlish ruler during the remainder of the day. The morning of Ozma and Glinda's departure dawned bright and clear, with the sunlight shining brilliantly on the beautiful city of Emeralds. Breakfast had been over for several hours, when Glinda the Good Sorceress arrived from her castle far to the south in the quadling country of the Land of Oz. Glinda and Ozma went immediately to the royal throne room, where the famous Oz personages waited to witness their departure. At exactly ten o'clock, Princess Ozma seated herself in her emerald throne, while the stately Glinda stood to her right. Before them was a strange and impressive an assemblage of nobles, courtiers, and old friends as ever gathered together in any fairy realm. Among those present were the famous Scarecrow of Oz, with his highly polished companion Nick Chopper, the nickel-plated tin woodman, Comical Jack Pumpkinhead, astride the wooden sawhorse, who was Ozma's personal steed and earliest companion. Scraps, the jolly patchwork girl, sweet little Trot, and her faithful sailor friend, grizzled old Cap'n Bill, Betsy Bobbin and her mule Hank, the cheerful shaggy man, looking shaggier than ever, the highly magnified and thoroughly educated Wogglebug, wearing his wisest expression for this important occasion, the stately cowardly lion, who was one of Dorothy's oldest friends, and his companion the hungry tiger, who longed to devour fat babies, but never did because his conscience wouldn't permit him to. That strange creature, the woozy, whose eyes flashed real fire when he became angry. Button Bright, the boy from Philadelphia, who had been Dorothy's companion on several wonderful adventures. Ojo the Lucky, and his unk Nunky, Dorothy's beloved Aunt Em and Uncle Henry, and of course the little wizard, and many, many others. Ozma stood before her throne and raised her hand. Immediately silence settled over the assemblage in the vast throne room. As you all know, the princess said, Glinda and I are about to attend an important fairy conference in the distant forest of Burzee. We shall be gone from Oz for a period of three days. During that time, Princess Dorothy will be your sovereign and ruler. 
Ozma removed her dainty fairy wand from the folds of her gown and lifted it into the air. For a moment she smiled on all, then, with a graceful wave of the wand, and before the onlookers realized what was happening, both she and Glinda had vanished. But Dorothy knew that even at that moment Queen Loreline was greeting the lovely Ozma and the stately Glinda in the depths of the enchanted forest of Burzee. End of chapter 2